Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! So, uh, the title of my message today is Heavenly Excellence. Uh, So, as Christians, um, if we want to be effective in God's mission, we need to also be people that can be looked up to. And the way to do that is to rise above the world standards and live according to God's heavenly standards. So that brings me very quickly to my first point. We are called to heavenly excellence. So the definition of excellence is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Excellence, um, I'm sure we all know, is something that's very memorable. It makes people come back whereas the opposite can repel. Um, People look towards excellence. We trust excellence. Excellence is the best. When you look at maybe like some standards, there's like bad, good, excellent. Excellent is always at the top. Whenever you go to a restaurant, if it's excellent, you would definitely go again. But if you've had a bad experience or just like a so-so experience, would you go again? Maybe not. If some of us here know maybe about Michelin stars, that is a global rating uh, that is given um, to restaurants to tell the world this is a standard that has met, uh, that it can be rewarded a star, a Michelin star. So there's, what, maximum three Michelin stars, right? Three is the best. And in order to maintain that star, they have to maintain that standard every time. can't drop, it has to remain or get better, yeah? Um, I recently was very fortunate enough to take my parents to a very nice Michelin star restaurant. Uh, it actually has a green Michelin star, um, and yeah, no, it was an amazing experience. Uh, it wasn't just the food, um, it was from when we arrived, it actually has its own farm, Uh, It actually has a green Michelin star, so obviously now the world is looking at sustainability, etc., going towards being green and, you know, trying to be more seasonal instead of just cooking whatever they feel like or whatever makes them the most money, but it's about what can we grow and what can we put on the table from what what is from our farm. Uh, So everything, uh, probably I think like 90% of the ingredients is actually ingredients that they've grown. Uh, They served uh, sheep, which is actually a sheep that had worked on the farm for over five years. Um, When they were explaining all the dishes, uh, (laughs) I know, I know. Uh, There was actually only two dishes that were not vegetarian out of the 12 that we had. Um, the vegetables that they grew, every time the chef handed us a plate, he'd say, you know, this, this cucumber, uh, this is from uh, a seed that I got from Japan 10 years ago. You know, it's like, what? Can't, can't you just buy cucumbers from Tesco's? No, he had to get it from Japan. He had to take the time to grow it. You know, it doesn't just happen overnight, right? Um, the beetroot that they gave us, there was a dish with a beetroot, and they called it an albino beetroot. He said, I've tasted so many beetroots, but this was the best one. 
And every time the dish came, it wasn't just about the food. It's, I was watching how they were all working. Everyone was, um, it, it was a very open kitchen. You could see everything that they were doing. There was only three chefs. I could see one pot washer, you know, going around and getting, making sure everything uh, was ready and clean for them. One front of house slash waitress. So it's a very small restaurant, about five tables. Uh, but when you watch it all, it's like, like a dance. Like everybody was coordinated, working as a team. You know, when, when the restaurant was full, you could just see everybody doing their part and it was just working in an amazing harmony. Um, and when I was there, having experienced everything, uh, I was just thinking, wow, imagine like, what it's like to have that same level of excellence, but in church. You know, how, how can we kind of use that and take that and put that into, you know, some, into church, into God's house, because he deserves our best. Um, and... You know, we, we want to look to the Bible right now. Um, so as a church uh, this year, we've been um, looking at the theme for the year, which is heaven rules, and that's come from Daniel. Um, but we're going to be looking at a few verses before we look at Daniel's life. Uh, so going to look at Galatians 5, 22 uh, to 26. Um, Thank you, XTV, for flashing it up on the screen. Uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles to Galatians 5, uh, we're just going to read this together. Um, so this is actually a letter from the Apostle Paul to the early church uh, as an encouragement. Um, so let's read this together. So from verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So as Christians, we believe that we are saved because God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Um, and through that, we also, once we had said yes to Jesus and accepted him in his life, the Holy Spirit is also then um, working in our lives. And so when we read this, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all things that should be evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Another word for fruit is evidence. And so when you make that decision to follow Jesus, this, these things, these characteristics should be in, in our lives. This is what we as Christians should be living out. Um, and sometimes we, you know, we accept God, we accept Christ in our lives, but then, you know, what happens next? We should be changing, we should be growing better and better each day for him. And these are some of the things, well, these are the things that we should be embodying as Christians. And sometimes when we, you know, meet people, new people outside of church, we meet someone and say, you know, you get to know someone, et cetera, and then maybe you get into the conversation of, oh, what do you do on a Sunday, et cetera? I'll go to church. Oh, so you're a Christian, da-da-da-da-da. These things, are they a part of our lives? 
we should be associated with these characteristics as Christians. And as Christians, if we're not living in excellence for God, then does that mean we're not living for excellence and we're living below those standards? And then how, if that person is experiencing you, how they experience, if, they, if you are the only Christian in their life, that means you are the only Christian or representation of God in their life as well. So why not be excellent for them to show them that God is working in your life? Um, we're also going to look at verse 25. It says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So these are two separate things. We have the spirit working in and through our hearts, but we also need to be open to follow the Holy Spirit wherever he leads us. We need to make that decision to say yes to being open to his plan and his purpose for us and not being led by our own plans or our own preferences. So we have to let go and let God lead. Another verse that we're going to look to is uh, Philippians 2, uh, verse 1 to 4. Um, so it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, I think if any of us have experienced God and experienced his peace, experienced his love, that means we're included in this. And then it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Um, Paul is calling us to be united as a church, not to go on our own path to do whatever we want, but we need to be following in line as a church to live according to God's mission for us. And then it goes on into verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That means we need to put aside ourselves, put aside what we want, what we might think is, you know, needed first, but to look out for others, um, but doing it in humility, knowing that it's not, we're not loving others in a way that's people-pleasing. Yeah. We are loving others because God loved us first, yeah. and so we want to love them because we've been so loved that we have the opportunity to love others as well. And then it goes on to say, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So that means all of us, you know, as the church, as people, as God's people, we should be looking out for others. Um, and if we are truly able to lift others above ourselves, we also need to set aside our own egos and our own preferences. Another verse. <laughs> Uh, a lot of Bible reading today, which is good. Um, we're going into Galatians 5, 13 to 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to be reading a couple of verses that kind of overlap, but they all have 
a different point and all very important. Um, so we are called to be free. What does that mean? Each of us has the freedom to choose. No one can be forced to love another because otherwise that's not love, right? We have to make that decision to say yes to God, but then we also need to make that decision to love others. God doesn't enforce us to, you know, you have to do this to love others. That's not love. No one, you know, can, can make someone love another person. So just as God chose to love us, we also have to choose to love others. He didn't need to save us. He didn't need to send Jesus to die on the cross for us. He could have just let us deal with all the mess that happened back in Genesis. Uh, but he wanted to save us. He wanted, to, um, he wanted us to love him, but the only way he could do that is to make that decision to save us. And so we can do the same uh, by helping others um, through our love to see Christ. Okay, so now going to Romans 13, 8 to 10. Okay, so how much do we need to love others? So it says here in verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding. So if anyone here owes any money from group dinners, make sure you pay those very quickly. Um, accept the continuing debt to love one another. Wow. So that means we need to continuously love others, continuously put others first, and that needs to continuously grow. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. It says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So a little bit of context uh, when this was written, this was a time when uh, the people in the Bible would just want to be uh, following the God's commands, right? God's Ten Commandments. But if you look at these commands, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. I can do all those things by just staying in my house. I don't need to go out. I don't need to be outside of my comfort zone, right? But God is saying that the only law you need to um, follow is to love your neighbor as yourself. All of these things will be fulfilled as long as you love your neighbor as yourself. But what does that require? It requires us to step out to love others. We can't love others from just the safety net of, you know, being at home all the time or just staying within our comfort zone. He's calling us to step out of our comfort zone. So, you know, what do, we, what, do we, what do we need to step out of? What is that comfort zone? And sometimes, you know, you catch us on a good day, and yes, I'm full of love, full of joy, full of peace. But what happens when it's on a bad day? And that brings me to my second point. Can we be excellent for God even when our situation is not so excellent? Just going to um, turn to Philippians 4, 4 to 9. This is a very, you know, reached for verse in times of need, I think. 
Uh, but let's read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says it again. I will say it again. Rejoice. That means we really need to do it if it's repeated. And then it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Wow. You know, when it's a, a difficult time, are we still being gentle? Are we still embodying love, peace, all these things? Is the situation preventing us from doing that? Or are we being able to trust God through that situation? It says, the Lord is near. Are we going through life as if the Lord is near? Or are we just reacting to whatever is happening around us? And then it says, do not be anxious about anything. You know, just as June was sharing, you know, those are real worries, real fears, real anxious thoughts. That's out of your control. Your husband is, you know, miles and miles away in a time when, yeah, there's no, there's no mobile phone, there's no contact, there's no Instagram to, to, to tell her how he is. But she had to trust God. The, that was the only thing that she could do. So it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, every good situation, every bad situation, every in-between situation, every okay situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Some of us, we only look at this when we need, we're in a situation and I really need peace. I really need this situation to be fixed. But God wants us to pray to him, to seek him in every situation. So that means on good days, on bad days, on great days, on the happiest days, on the days where we're really high, but also on the days where we're really low. We need to be praying. We need to be seeking God. We need to be giving him thanks and rejoicing and just coming to him. It's not, you know, just going to him to have peace, to be fixed, to heal it, get it, get it done, get it done. It's like we need to be going to him, trusting him through everything. There was nothing that June could do. She could only pray and wait. She was really seeking God and just holding on to that trust uh, and the promise that, sh that was declared over her life. Um, and then we read on to verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. And then we want to read on. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Sometimes when we're going through that situation, we're just focusing on how do I fix it? How do I fix it? How do I just not be here? Uh, this is so uncomfortable. Why am I here? Da, da, da. Is, those are not whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. We need to be changing our thoughts and our mindset to follow what God has asked us to do. And then it says, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When you're in a stressful situation, when you see someone in a stressful situation, you can really tell, and 
you can also tell what their priorities are. Because when we're stressed, immediately we want to go to where our comfort zone is. Where are we seeking our comfort when we are in a high pressure situation? Is it Netflix? Is it just, don't talk to me, I just need to be by myself right now? Is it God? Are we actually going to God and seeking him for our comfort to give us not just an answer to solve the situation, but to actually give us the comfort and the peace that he says and has promised that he would give us? Or are we just letting the situation control where our fears and our emotions and then how we are with people as well. When we are calm, we are in control. But sometimes when we're in an anxious situation, uh, God is saying we can still be calm because it's God that's in control. And it's not just about putting on a brave face and you know, just saying to everyone, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, but deep down inside, you're not feeling fine. It's about really putting those fears and anxious thoughts onto God and just asking him, God, can you take these away and let me believe that you are in control and let that actually change how you go about your day-to-day and how that changes your outlook when you go through your day. Okay. Um, We're going to be going to James 1, uh, verse 12. And it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Life is not trouble-free. No such thing as a trouble-free life. And you know, we can either look at those different situations or difficult situations as setbacks, or we can actually trust God in those situations and, um, you know, don't let a difficult situation in your life be an excuse for you not to be excellent. I think sometimes too often, you know, oh, I'm going through a difficult time, like, we understand, and, you know, God understands. He really, he really understands the most. But sometimes we let that situation take away, take our focus away from God. Um, and it means that we're not living up to those heavenly standards or that heavenly excellence that we're actually called to be. And so we're going to look at Daniel. Um, and If you actually read, I encourage you all to read the whole chapter of Daniel because in his life, you actually see there's a span of about 70 years in which he really served and prioritized God in in different challenges. And sometimes, you know, when we go through life, we, we want our situation to be perfect before we say yes to God. But let me tell you, that is never going to happen. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're going to be, I'm, j- I'm just going to be kind of briefly going through some of the things that Daniel went through. And if you actually read Jan- Daniel chapter 1, he was in captivity when 
he first had that opportunity to, you know, when, when it's first recorded that he said, no, I will not defile myself with the king's food. You know, he wasn't like in a normal situation. He was a prisoner. So what gave him the courage to deny, you know, the food that the king was giving him and to say, no, I'll just eat, you know, vegetables and the most simple food rather than the king's wine and the most, you know, uh, rich foods. He resolved to not defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief official for the permission to not defile himself this way. He still prioritized God even when he was in captivity. Um, and then when you read in chapter 2 in how he dealt with King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that troubled him, that made him lose sleep, and he had magicians and wise men, Chaldeans, satraps, which are just different governors, uh, in his, I guess, court, but none of them could figure out what the dream was about, and he even said to the point, you need to figure out my dream, but I'm not going to tell you my dream. And so Daniel, upon hearing this, oh, and also, if you can't figure it out, I will kill you all. So upon hearing that, Daniel obviously says this is ridiculous, but the way he says it in the Bible, it says he says it with tact uh, and wisdom. So obviously he said it in a way that (laughs) uh, was convincing uh, enough that he had a bit more time with his friends to figure out the dream without the king telling them the dream. So what did they do? They sought God. They prayed. That's an impossible situation. <laughs> you know, there's, even today, there's nothing really that can say, oh, tell me, I'm, I'm not, I don't know Suntel's dreams. I don't know Pastor Cat's dreams. There's nothing, you know, in this day and age, even though we have phones and stuff, there's n- nothing that can tell me someone else's dream. Only the person that has dreamt it knows. Christopher Nolan didn't exist in those days to be able to incept into your dream and to figure out and control it. You know, that doesn't exist, um, even to this day. And back then, it still didn't exist. So, yeah, so God... Uh, reached out to God with his friends, sorry, Daniel reached out to God with his friends and sought the Lord uh, to ask them for the answer. And then he still has troubles. Uh, He also refused to bow down to the golden statue that was created by the king. So the king went from, you know, I have a dream, Uh, the dream was resolved and through Daniel and his friends, then he decided, I'm going to create this new god made out of gold. Everybody needs to bow down to it. Uh, Daniel and his friends refused to do it, and as a result, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. You know, maybe there isn't a gold statue outside right now, but what is something that maybe your friends or someone is, you know, seeking that is higher in value? than what we perceive to be value in God? Are we sticking to our guns and saying, you know, God is the answer. God is the only God that I will worship. Um, Because in this world, values change. People want to seek power. 
authority, riches, all these different things and chasing all these different things. But God is saying, no, you need to seek me um, and only me. And even when they were put in the fiery furnace, they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then it says, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That is bold. And uh, yeah, there's, there's so many different situations in which Daniel had the courage to put God first in difficult situations. Um, but the kind of point of looking at Daniel's life is that he remained consistent and faithful. The fact that this whole chapter is spanning over kind of like his whole, I guess, professional life of being in such a high position with kings. He was actually promoted by at least three kings that is recorded in the Bible. So that is a quite an impressive uh, thing to be able to say that you've gone through three different kings because usually whenever there's new leadership, all the kind of court or everybody that is part of the court, all the governors, is all a change. It's all change of God. But the fact that he was still recognized as someone that could be trusted through di three different kings, one after another, just really shows how excellent Daniel was and, and consistent as well. And you can see that Daniel didn't wait for his situation to be ideal or convenient. His situation was very inconvenient, um, but he had to really fully rely on God. Um, and even in his dream, uh, in, in his job as interpreter of dreams, that is not a job that is usual, I would say. You know, the only person or the only thing that you can look up to to interpret these dreams is God. And even though it might feel like Daniel's life is so far from what I'm experienced today, I don't think that going for excellence is irrelevant to what we are experiencing in our life today. You know, the world is still chasing after different things, um, but excellence still remains valuable. It still remains something that people can hold steadfastly and trust. And so we as Christians need to remain excellent in our lives, in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and even when, you know, maybe we're chasing the next step, or the next chapter in our lives. A lot of us are working, or maybe about to start work, and naturally, you want to progress. You want the promotion. You want a pay rise. Amen. Praise God. God promise. <laughs> but all these things happen when whoever is above you sees how you thrive and how you react in stressful situations. If you want to move up or be trusted, that means you need to say yes to different things uh, and not grumble, yeah. not think that 
you know, this is not in my department, so I'm not going to do it, or this is so not me, this is not in my career trajectory. Uh, believe me, I have been working for 10 years now, and not everything I went through was, oh yeah, this is Rosie, this is exactly how I imagined it. Nothing in my career was ever how I imagined it would be. I didn't, I would never have wrote it that way, let's just say. But the point is, we shouldn't be just chasing a promotion or a pay rise. We should be chasing after God and knowing that we need to be excellent in all things. Because if we only want to have a smooth life with no bumps, that means we don't need God. That means we only need God at the end of our life, and we want to go to heaven. But we are going to encounter troubles, failures, mistakes, things that you know we didn't really think that that was going to happen, but that happened, and that was out of control. But God wants us to remain excellent even in those things. Even this morning, I can tell you now, some bumpy things happened today. Uh, our power in our flat suddenly short-circuited. It happened actually on Friday night, and we're like, okay, go to the fuse box, switch it back on. Okay, it worked. All fine. Then, you know, yesterday I was preparing all day for today, and I really still needed to print my notes. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to wake up really early Sunday morning, finish preparing, and then print it out. So I was already awake at 4 a.m. Uh, so 4 a.m., I can hear our phone outside go beep, beep. What is that sound? It's the, so it's the phone saying that I'm running out of battery, which means it's not the plugged in. So that means, okay, we've lost power again. Uh, so we switch everything off. Uh, to check, hey, can we still turn on the fuse box? No, we could not. Okay, checked everything, double-checked everything, go to the last place, the boiler. The boiler, switch everything off, and then I notice a little drip coming from that pipe going onto some wires. That's why there is this fuse switch keeps going down. But, you know, could I have used that as an excuse? to not preach today? Maybe I could have. <laughs> maybe, Pastor, maybe it was okay that June was preaching, to, like, you know, preaching today, and that would have been okay. Uh, you know, I had another excuse. Pastor Dave actually messaged me, uh, not last Tuesday, but the Tuesday before. Oh, by the way, <laughs> this August is Missions Month, and pastors back home want us to focus on missions for our messages this month. If your message is not aligned with that, then it's okay. I know it's last minute. I can preach on your Sunday. Oh. <laughs> Bank holiday weekend. You know, it was, what? Yeah, less than two weeks before message. I hadn't quite got it all together yet. I knew excellence, but didn't know everything else. Oh, it would have been so nice to just not preach on bank holiday weekend. But no, I knew that God wanted me to be here today to share this. And yeah, what a way to give a fresh testimony. Uh, I could not shower this morning, so apologies in advance. 
because of our water and no electricity, but I am here saying yes to God. <laughs> so, yeah, just saying no such thing as a smooth life, no such thing as everything being the perfect situation for us to be able to serve God. And so our third, well, my, uh, the third point, God's third point, excellence is not overnight. But it is recognizing that there is always a way to do better and give our best. Our best today should be better than our best from yesterday. So what is your best going to look like tomorrow? Striving for excellence is hard. It is not easy. There's no shortcut to excellence. There's no shortcut to getting a three Michelin star rating for your restaurant. Likewise, there's no shortcut to saying yes to God and then go from being not saved to saved to then being the Christian that everybody looks to. It's not an overnight change. It is a daily decision to say yes to God. Just like in how we just read, we need to be praying to God in every situation. We need to be depending on God in every situation. And so likewise, when we reflect and give ourselves an honest reflection in how we are maybe serving God, do we serve God out of just our convenience? You know, how are we picking our Sundays uh, to say yes to serving God? Is that, yes, that is the most convenient Sunday because I know that I am not full in that week for work, so I can give my best to God that week. But maybe there's no one else free that Sunday. Are we still able to say yes to God even when we feel like we're busy in our life, busy in our work, different stresses happening, Things are not going right in other things, but God is still calling us to serve him with excellence. And at the end of the day, it's there. We are excellent to serve others, to be a blessing to others. And so we are called to heavenly excellence so that God can be seen through our excellence. And being excellent doesn't come from our own talent or strength. Daniel received the gift of interpreting dreams from God. It wasn't that he was necessarily just born with it. It says in the Bible that him and his friends were given wisdom and understanding um, and knowledge, and these were the things that helped um, the king and um, his people to recognize their excellence. But it was because they put God first, because they said yes to serving God, that God gave them those gifts. And so we sometimes think, okay, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. But are we using that to glorify God? You know, just how we have an amazing espresso team that would bake all day on, on their Saturday, on their free day, to give you guys something delicious to eat. What can we do to reflect God and his greatness through our works so that other people can be blessed? And how is God using us, you know, in our day-to-day? -day? We're not just being sent out to a far corner of the earth. God wants to use us just where you are now. And you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be you know, the most experienced 
person in preaching. I am not that experienced, but I have said yes to coming here today and willing to be used by God. And it's not easy. You know, everything in my natural self does not want to be here. And there were situations where I could have said no, but I, I choose to be here because God deserves it. And in the same way, you can also be used by God as well to bless others. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.